from the book of Genesis. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continued childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. You know, they refer to the Episcopalians as the frozen chosen, and this morning I kind of believe it. It was awfully cold coming in here this morning. Even at 8 o'clock, we had a pretty full house, so glad to see you all here today. Um, I think if we, um, unless you've been under a rock somewhere, we know that the world continues to uh, provide a series of, let's just say, strange events. The war in Ukraine, uh, the absolute insanity of American politics, the instability of everything going around us right now. I mean, turn on the news, right? The instability of all of it in public life and in our own life reminds me of something, that I like my bubble. I like my bubble. I live in a bubble. You live in a bubble. That bubble is known as, where do y'all live? Vero Beach. It's a bubble. It's early March. It's ordinarily 85 degrees and sunny and beautiful. You can go to restaurants and not be required to show a vax card. You can park on the grass in Florida. To quote the t-shirt, life is good. I never had a life is good t-shirt when I lived in New Jersey, but I have one now. I like my bubble, and you like your bubble too. Amen? But I wonder, here's the question I want to think about today. I wonder if it's a bubble or a cage. If our quest for safety and security sometimes blinds us to God's call on our lives. You know, I was thinking earlier this morning, my dad, when he lived out in Los Angeles, took me to Hearst Castle once. Anybody ever been to Hearst Castle? Cool place. It's this great big old stone castle uh, that was built by uh, Hearst, obviously. He lived there. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. It's cold. You know, a castle and a prison look very similar, depending on what side of the wall you're on. Well, today we're going to look at another guy who lived in a bubble, and God burst it. His name's Abram. Abram is the, one of the most famous characters in the Old Testament, and today we're going to look at Abram's bubble and how God burst it. And how, why God burst Abram's bubble was to show Abram something far greater than he could have possibly imagined far greater than he could even expect and far greater than he even could have hoped for in his life, that the security and the safety that he wanted, Abram, in his bubble wasn't giving him life. It was actually killing him. So God burst Abram's bubble, and I'll burst yours, to show you life. Three points today about how God bursts Abram's bubble, and he'll burst yours. God's plan, God's promise, and God's offspring. God's plan, God's promise, and God's offspring. So, God's plan. How does God's plan burst Abram's bubble? Well, we, you, know, you got to know a few things about Abram. I'm not going to do a deep dive here, but uh, last week in our lesson, we read something which I've heard, man, probably 25 times, 30, 50 times, who knows, and the text was a wandering Aramean. I was a wandering Aramean. That was Abram referring to himself. I've heard that a million times. I always thought, you know, I wonder what that means. I never bothered to look it up until this past week. A wandering Aramean, which is what Abram described himself as, is basically a gypsy, an ancient Near Eastern carny. (laughs) 
right? You know, the guys that travel around and they don't have a place to live, really. They're nomads. They're gypsies. They kind of make their living on the fly. No real place to call home. No real plan. No real guiding principle. They live moment by moment. That's what a wandering Aramean is, a nomad. And Abram was, for all intents and purposes, an ancient Near Eastern carny. A wandering Aramean. He was a man of no account. He was a person that he could die and nobody would even know. And yet God still had a plan for Abram. Here it is. Back in Genesis chapter 12, he says to this, to Abram, Abram, yeah, okay. Here it is. Go from your country and your kindred, your family, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation. Now, He doesn't give him any details, does he? He says, just go to a land that I'll show you. And the weird thing is Abram actually goes. God says, I'm going to burst your bubble, Abram. And Abram says, okay, let's go. Game on. So let me ask you a question. Would you go? Would you go to leave your bubble if God asked you? Or if God forced you? I was watching this past week, um, a news channel, and they had a an interview with this kid in Ukraine. He was leaving with his mom. His dad's staying behind to fight the Russian invasion. Um, this kid, his name was Timothy, 12, 13 years old, right in there, right? Young adolescent boy. And the, the newscaster says, so Timothy, where are you going? And he says, in broken English, we are going to the Germany. I don't, he didn't know. He said, I don't know where we're going. And this is really broken English. They had a translator there to help him. But he tried. You know, God bless the kid for trying. I can't speak Ukrainian or Russian. Uh, anyway, he said, they said, where are you going? We're going to the Germany. He says, we have no idea where we're going, how we're going to get there, how we're going to live. No idea what they would do. In other words, Timothy's bubble had been burst, and his mother and his father's bubble burst. Pray for him, by the way. He's a real guy, real kid. But imagine being thrust into a situation where everything that gave you safety and security, your father's house, and able to use the language from Genesis, was ripped away. Imagine if your bubble was burst. Could you handle it? And if the answer is, I'm not sure, well then maybe the question really is, how would you handle it? Because, you know, humans are creatures of habit. We like routines, right? We have a set schedule. I had to get up early this morning. It's Sunday morning. I didn't get much sleep last night, and we lost an hour, right? Broke my routine a little bit. People like familiar things that give them stability and comfort and routine. People like to have these things in our lives which make our lives seem secure and safe. Seem safe and secure. You know, get your job pay into your 401k, your 403b, buy a house, have kids, raise a family, retire. Boy, what could be more adventurous than that, huh? Sign me up, the priest said sarcastically from the pulpit. So let's think about this for a minute. What if God ripped that away? Not, for, not to punish you, but for your own sake. You know, stability and safety may be comforting, but it's awfully boring. What if God asked you to give it all away for him, or at least to accept the call he placed on your life for him? Would you do it? This is the the dilemma before Abram, right? Do I go, do I stay, or do I go? And it gets even a little stranger. God says to Abram, I'm going to give you children. He takes them outside. 
and says, I'm going to give, he says, look at these stars in the sky, Abram. He says, I'm going to give you more children than the number of stars in the sky. Well, that's fine. Thank you, Lord. Uh, but the problem, there's a big problem here. Abram's 86 years old. His wife is also beyond childbearing years. They have heretofore had no children. So yeah, God, thanks. That's a great idea. Sign me up, but we got a big problem here. I'm an old man, and she can't have children. Or one of them couldn't. We don't know exactly. But the reason God promises Abram a child, you see, is in the, in the first century, they practice something called primogeniture, meaning that the firstborn son receives everything, right? And it's not just that. The reason you have children, lots and lots of children, is so that they can tend the fields, they can work the farm, they can take care of you when you're an old man and an old woman. They can provide for you. There's no Social Security. There's no Obamacare. There's no Cigna. If you have no family, you're a dead man when you can't walk and you can't feed yourself. So Abram's bubble is a family. That's what he wants. And he says, and God says, I'm going to give you all these children, Abram. I'm going to give you safety and security. And he says, yeah, that's fine. Thank you. He doesn't say thank you. He says, yeah, uh, kind of a problem here, Lord. Um, all I've got is this servant kid from Damascus named Eleazar. He's not my own son. I've, he's a slave that works for me. That's all I've got. And you're telling me you're going to give me a son. Yeah. Okay, sure. What would you do? What would you do if God said something to you which was absolutely impossible? Come up with an excuse? Probably. That's not what Abram does. Now, don't get me wrong. Abram's no saint. Abraham is a dumpster fire. He is a guy who goes, he tries to sell his wife off as his sister to avoid getting uh, harassed by Pharaoh. So Abram is not a moral example, right? He's not, he's not a righteous dude. He's not. But one thing which is super important, I'm going to show you this. In this discussion between Abram and God, if you look in your bulletin there, it's in verse 4. You don't have to bother. You can take my word for it. You can look later. If you look in verse 4, when there's a conversation between the Lord and Abram, the word Lord there is in lower caps, L-O-R-D, and they're all small caps. And that's important because in Hebrew, there's a couple of different ways to translate God. Elohim, which means God, but Lord in small caps is God's name. We say Yahweh. It's impronounceable. In Hebrew and in English, right? Y-H-W-H, it's impronounceable. I am who I am. It's a nonsense word, Yahweh, but it is his first name. It's God's name, which means that God is speaking to Abram in this relationship, this dialogue on a first name basis, Abram and Yahweh. In other words, what God is doing is he is reaching, listen, Abram in a deeply personal, deeply intimate promise, conversation between friends. <laughs> friends, ancient Near Eastern deities did not address humans by their first name. But the God of the Bible does. And Abram trusts God. That's what he says. This is credited to him as righteousness. Abram has one thing going for him. He trusts God. His personal relationship. And that's where we see God's plan. Yeah, God's plan is sometimes messy. It is sometimes confusing. You're going to give me children? Uh, okay, fine, <laughs> right? But God, listen, this is the key to the whole text. God will call you to do things that you cannot possibly do on your own. That's the point. 
That's the entire point. God will call you to do things in your life that you cannot do on your own. That's the point. It's God's plan, not yours and not mine. So here's the question for the hour to Biggie. Where is God calling you right now? And don't think of calling as only like in ministry or some great big going to Ukraine as a missionary, unless that's what he's calling you to do. But where is God calling you right now? You know what it is, and so do I. What are the things you know you should be doing or not doing, and you continue to do them or not do them? What is God calling you to do differently, to get out of your bubble, to get out of your comfort zone, to stretch, to change? How is he calling you? Maybe it's to forgive somebody that you just can't stand. Maybe it's to talk to somebody who voted for a different person than you voted for in the last election. Maybe it's to mend a torn relationship or repent and go back to a, a, a spouse or a friend you've hurt their feelings or forgive someone who's wronged you or mend a relationship with a, with a, just, with a, a child which you've been out of touch with for years. I don't know. I don't know what your, God's plan is for you, but you know it. God's call is never a mystery. He's clear as a bell. The question is, will you do it? And don't think, oh, that's impossible. Of course it's impossible. That's the point. Jesus says in Matthew 19, 26, that with God, all things, tautai, everything is possible. So here's the question. Don't dismiss God's call. God does, God's, just because God's call on you is difficult or challenging or confusing, or even biologically impossible, right? Just do it. And that leads me to my second point. If God's plan for Abram is to go, and I'll show you, Abram, then God also has a promise. Even though Abram trusts God, right? It's there. It says so. He says to God, okay, fine. I get the whole idea of all these kids, like the sand on the, sea, the stars in the sky, but how can this be? And this is where it gets really interesting. Notice something really... So God, the Lord, Abram says, okay, fine. Children, the number of stars, okay, check. How, how's that going to happen? God never actually answers him. What God does is this instead. He, uh, he tells Abram to go and get some animals, right? Go and get a heifer and some, a goat and a couple of different things. You can read about it in there. And he says, go and take them and kill these animals as a sacrifice, which Abram does. And he cuts them. I'm not a doctor. I think it's called a lateral cut. If you were to cut a person to be like this, right? So Abram cuts this cow and lays the pieces out side by side. And he lays them out, and, he, and there's all these animals laying around, and you think to yourself, what is going on here? This is, this is the answer to my question, how am I going to do this? Well, if you were a king 4,000 years ago, and you decide to make a military alliance, a covenant, a promise, and let's, change, let's scratch that. Say you go to the bank and you want to buy a house right? And you sign something called a what? A mortgage. And the mortgage has in there, you sign on the dotted line, right? And it says in there the criteria, the terms of the, of the contract. If you keep the terms, you pay your mortgage on time, then you will be fine. If you don't, then they take your home. In other words, it lays out the terms of the contract. What God is telling Abram is in the first century, if you were going to make a, 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 an alliance with another king, you would take these animals, you would lay them side by side like this, and both of you would walk between the pieces. What, you, what that says is, here's the contract. I will protect you. Here is my covenant with you. I will support you and protect you. And you will support and protect me. And if I don't keep my end of the bargain, 
you can treat me like you treated that animal. You can kill me. You see, them? You see, what, see what's going on? So God says, okay, Abram, here's the covenant. Cut these animals in half, and then we see something startling. Each king would pass ordinarily between the, the, the uh, pieces of the, of the dead animal. That's not what happens. Because what we see then is that as the, as the, as the animal is laid out there, both kings would, would, would agree that they would keep the, keep the covenant or else face death. But notice what happens. The flaming torch and a pot passes through the, the halves, which is God. But Abram never does. Look at it again. So God says, We're gonna make a, I'm making a covenant with you, Abram, and here's how it's going to work. I am pledging to you that if I don't keep my end of the bargain, you can kill me. Abram never does it. He never walks through. God promises to die to keep his covenant with Abram, but Abram makes no such promise. It's a one-way covenant. God's promise to Abram and God's promise to you, you see, is not contingent upon you keeping your end of the bargain. And I want you to rest in that. Because whenever you hear God's call on your life, God bursting your bubble, immediately, if you're a person who wants to do the right thing, you're going to feel guilt. Don't. I want you to rest in the fact that God has, God's covenant is one way. He will keep his end of the bargain even if you do not. It's called grace. It's called an undeserved gift, which we neither earn nor deserve. So back to the question I raised in the beginning. When God bursts your bubble, and he will, and you probably should want him to, is there a blessing in that that we could have never imagined? Let's look again at Abram. The final point here, Abram's offspring. This is where it gets really cool. We read that God promises Abram offspring. Kids, lots of kids, right? Go out, he goes out, to takes him outside, shows him the stars in the sky, and says, Abram, I'm going to give you so many offspring, like more than the stars in the sky. I've got three children, right? And in the ancient Near East, to have the more children you had, the better you were, the safer you were, the more secure you were, the more people you had to take care of you when you were old. But in Genesis chapter, but in, later on when God says, I will give this land to you and to your offspring after the, after the uh, covenant is made, that word for offspring there is not plural, but singular. In other words, that covenant, when the animals are opened up and God says, Abram, I will promise you and make a covenant with you and your offspring, the covenant is not with Abram, but one person who follows him later. So the covenant isn't between God and Abram, but God and the singular offspring whose name is Jesus. Fast forward 4,000 years, and you see exactly the fulfillment of that covenant. 4,000 years later, God, and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the offspring of Abram, Paul says this in Galatians, he is stripped naked, he is nailed to a cross, and he dies on the cross to keep God's end of the bargain, to keep God's covenant, not because of what you've done, but what Jesus has done in your place. Don't you see that God's call on your life is a call 
to trust the covenant between God the Father and God the Son in your place. Because, see, the reason that God is patient and merciful with you, the reason that God keeps his covenant with you and with me, even when we crash and burn, even when we fail, the reason I have any chance at all (laughs) is because the covenant isn't with me at all but with Jesus, the perfect man, who does in fact keep the law in my place and in yours, who dies to keep the covenant in your place and in mine. Do you see it? Friends, let me challenge you this Lent to let God burst your bubble. Ask him to burst your bubble. And when he does, and he will, if you're lucky, and he will, he always does, Ask him what he's trying to teach you in that, where he's calling you to be different. And don't do it in fear. Do it in victory. The battle's already won. The the covenant is kept in your place. Listen to him when he calls you. When he calls you from where you are now to where he wants you to be. And it might be lots of, we've all got lots of calls in our lives. I'm a husband, a priest, a father, all sorts of things, right? Where is God calling you in your life right now to be different. You know where it is. You know it. We all know God's call is always crystal clear. We just don't want to do it. (laughs) I want you to be challenged this morning, friends, to leave your bubble, leave your comfort. Trust in Jesus. So many people wrestle with guilt and shame and failure. So many people wrestle with self-doubt and mistakes they've made in their lives. You wonder deep down if your life really matters. Can I give you some advice pastorally? Don't go there. Follow your call. Not looking back, but looking forward. Jesus died to take these sins from you. He keeps the covenant in your place that you can be free and life, life to the full, Scripture says. So let him take it. Trust him. But more importantly, thank Jesus that when your bubble is burst, he will show you and give you the strength and courage to do what you need. So we pray God shows, show us the plan for our lives, remind us of the promise you have made, the covenant you keep, despite our own brokenness, despite our failure, despite our sin, because the covenant is with Jesus. Help us, Lord, to see when our bubble is burst, your hand in it, to follow your call, to do the right thing, trusting in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.